This is Michael Coe from the Punk Rock and Politics Podcast, and you're listening to some of the best podcasts available on the internet, only on the No Phony Podcast Network. Welcome to Heroes Garage. This is a weekly podcast where we review movies and shows and series that show up on streaming services and show up in theaters. Mr. Bill, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Tom. Had a wonderful Christmas. I hope you did too. I actually had a, a pretty good Christmas, all all told. Um, I was, yeah. Yeah, I was anticipating being really hectic and busy and craziness, but it turned out to be pretty good, pretty relaxing. What did you do for uh, for the holidays, Mr. Bill? Well, we had, um, I, you know, my parents are divorced, so my dad, he practiced um, a little distancing here mm-hmm. on Christmas Eve. It's always been a tradition to be at my dad's house. Mm-hmm. And we would have it with my sister's kids as well. And we have this photo that's been going on for 20-something years of all the kids being on the foot, on the on the step of his house. Mm-hmm. And you got to see how the kids have grown over the years. So that's always fun. Oh, that's awesome. And that, mm-hmm, it's so cool. And we just got to make sure we could get them all in one spot. So if something happens to them, we, we want to make sure we have that. And my mom was sick, so we were supposed to visit her, but so we just did a Zoom call, open presence with her. That was that was actually entertaining. <laughs> okay. A Zoom call of of opening gifts is is <laughs> was funny. We did FaceTime with my mom, and if you have, I have an older mother, and she is really has all thumbs when it comes to technology. So that's always an entertainment fiasco. That's awesome. So the social distancing was definitely practiced there. And then, of mm-hmm. course, my mother-in-law and my brother-in-law, they have no idea of social distancing. So we had a Christmas here. and But a Christmas morning was great with the kids opening up gifts, and they're all adult kids. And, you know, it, it's since everybody's been busy all the time and detached, it was great just having everybody over. So sums up, it wasn't that bad of a Christmas. It was fun, I have mm-hmm. to say. Mm-hmm. And sometimes... When you have Christmases like that, you just want to capture the moment and have it never end. How's yeah. that for sentimentality? You know what? It sounds like a just a human experience, just a good old-fashioned good time. It is. Yeah. It's not always like that, Tom. But when it happens, no. you enjoy it. Yes, you do. You you revel in it. Yes. And uh, you enjoy it and. And then when life moves on, because it always does move along, um, it's something you can look back on with fondness. 
so, agree. Cool. Well, you know what's something I look back on to with fondness, Mr. Bill? What's that, Tom? My viewing of the movie Soul, which is an original <laughs> Pixar production <laughs> that was released on Disney Plus over the weekend. Yeah, you know, we happened to see that on Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. Go figure. Yeah, this is a show that is getting rave reviews. So mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you. So. I'm going to jump right into that. I'm and rightly to- so, Tom. Thank you, sir. I am going to tell you that it has an 8.2 on IMDb, which is about as high as it gets on that on yeah, that particular um, thing. Metascore has it at an 85, which is very high. Wow. And I don't have the Red Tomatoes score, the the People's score, but it's probably in the 90s, if I'm it's guessing. Be. Yeah, it's got to be. I can look that up while I, I throw the baton over to you. Uh, Bill, but th- this this is an animated movie, and it's a Pixar production, and it has all of the visual qualities that we've come to enjoy and expect from Pixar. Yeah, and what makes it interesting is, yeah, the animation is always phenomenal because it's uh, Pixar Disney. But what makes it even better is, you know, when you come up with an original story, and that's what I believe they accomplished here was putting together something that is original. And you think that sometimes there are the tired themes um, that could be, uh, you know, overused in a lot of any kind of Disney or Pixar, or Pixar film. And there is the sentimental part of it. But this one, I would have to say, it was very creative. Um, because it, in a, in a nutshell, it does, you know, go into death and the meaning of life, actually. Mm-hmm. And, um, to tap into that for, you know, a children's based film, because that's, you know, most of the time Pixar's audience, although we as adults ultimately always love Pixar films, it, it does apply across multiple audiences. But the theme was um, very heartfelt, and um, you know, there's a lot of credit to go here in in the creators and the writers, and of course, the voice actors. Absolutely. So this is getting a 97% by the critics on Rotten Tomatoes, wow. and a 90% from the audience. Wow, 97. That's great. Even because you and I have seen. There are some critics out there that they, they'll just poo-poo, just fake for the sake of poo-pooing. Say yeah. that multiple times. <laughs> I don't even want to say that once. <laughs> that was brave. Whew, I tell you, that rolled off real well, actually. And um, <laughs> so it, it, it's great to see that the audience has loved it. And, you know, you and I have seen that Disney really hasn't put out a lot of original content worth watching on the Disney Plus channel, one being Mandalorian, which I know really jacked up their subscribe sh- subscriber, say that multiple times. Um, and now with Soul, and it was they were advertising Soul as if it was going to the show. And to have that uh, on Disney Plus, I'm sure that um, they hit it big in their streaming service, Tom. I, I hate to get into the business side of it, but ultimately, you know, they're they're in it for the money. 
surprise, surprise. They are in it for the money, and I was actually surprised how well this went. I did not expect it, and I forgot. I used to watch almost every... I call this animation Real D. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that that's updated anymore. I think that term was used perhaps for a little while, 10 years ago. Um, But really, it... Yeah, it's like this is the animation that looks real. And but when I jumped into it, I was reminded, oh, that's right. There was a time in my life when I thought these movies that are in this really high quality animation were actually the best movies because you can do so much more creatively. And the stories seem to have the kinds of beats to them that I enjoy. And I was not disappointed in this story, which is about a musician who has lost his passion for music. And he's transported out of his body and must find his way back with the help of an infant soul learning about herself. So that's kind of a nutshell of the story without spoiling the story, because anybody could read that directly off the imdb.com webpage if they chose to. Yeah, that's true. You know, we are not hiding our resources and becoming the big brain of all knowledge of the film industry. So we're just going to tell our audience there is resources out there for you to tap into. But uh, if you feel like you don't need to, you know, we'll spill it. We, we have no problem spilling <laughs> and you know, falling all over ourselves, uh, which happens next when I start to dive into the <laughs> list of creators and credits. Right. Right, mister. This is where I really fall flat. Uh, the director is Pete Doctor. And Kemp Powers, uh, Kemp Powers is credited as the co-director. Writers Pete Docter and Mike Jones, starring Jamie Foxx. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I'll, I'll let you read the um, the members, and I just want to talk about the director when you're finished. But go ahead. Okay. And this is where the fun begins. Not to quote mm-hmm. the movie that's been maligned for 20 years now. Uh, we have Jamie Foxx as Joe. Tina Fey as 22, Graham Norton as Moonwind, Rachel House as Terry, Elisa, Alice Braga as Counselor Jerry, Richard Ayod as Counselor Jerry, Felicia Rashad as Liba, Donnell Rawlings as Dez, Quest Love as Curly, Angela Bassett as Dorothea, Cora Champemeyer as Connie, Margot Hall as Melba. Stop me whenever you need me to. <laughs> you're you're good. Uh, David Diggs as Paul. I'm there trying really hard here. I, I you, know, you are. And what's funny it's, is when you try too hard, it actually sounds a lot worse. It uh, does. It just you just it, start falling down a hill. I think. I think you do, and you go you know end over end. So Rodessa Jones as Lulu. And Wes Studi is Counselor Jerry. There were a lot of Counselor Jerry's. Those people who watch the film know what that's all about. And we're going to try and do a close to, if not completely spoiler-free, review. Because I don't think everybody has watched this yet. No, I don't think so. And, and it's, a, it's good to note that Beat Doctor and his um, biography, he is an Oscar-winning director of monsters up and inside out 
and he is the chief creative officer of Pixar Animation. So it, it seems like he started in 1990 as an animator there doing Toy Story characters. So he has been with Pixar for a very long time, uh, producing, writing, and directing, which is great when they're able to write and direct. But, uh, you know, when you're looking at Up and Inside Out and Monsters, Inc. and WALL-E, you know, there's some similarities to some of that, uh, but, uh, boy, there's a lot of creativity there when you consider uh, somebody's portfolio like that. And kudos to him to create something. Now, I know that some people can relate that soul is somewhat similar to Inside Out. I don't know if you remember seeing that um, Pixar movie, Tom, but there are similarities there. Mm -hmm. uh, because it's internal soul type focused. Gotcha. But, you know, it's good to see that um, Pixar rebounded from onward, which I saw uh, not, I was not particularly fond of as, and I know there was, it kind of got mixed reviews across the board. I haven't gone on Rotten Tomatoes, but I know it's not one of those that are going to be memorable, but Toy Story 4, it was very memorable. Uh, and Incredibles 2, the long-awaited Incredibles 2 and Coco. So they've been on a sort of a roll before Onward, and it looks like they they picked up, they went to their old reliable to produce something. But, you know, these directors and writers are not going to be on the same projects across the board. There's going to be multiple writers and directors, and um, – you know, he his like I said, his last movie was Inside Out, which if anybody knows about animation, it takes about a good five years to create and develop and write and shoot. So there's a lot of work that goes into animation and to, to see something like this again just revives that sentimental deep spirit that is in Pixar. I would uh, agree with everything you're saying. It felt like a sentimental journey. Um, the visuals, especially, were so crisp and clean at the beginning of this movie and then in, in other yeah. spots. Before we dive into that, though, I wanted to tap into your knowledge. What did you think about the story itself? Yeah, you know, not giving too many spoilers away, and I, I don't want to, but I like the story as I you know, previewed it before. It does talk a little bit about death, and but it's more reflective, right? It more has to do with the meaning of life. And when you die, can you reflect into that your life really meant something? What is your gift? What is your purpose on earth? And I, and I thought that that's really the main theme. And, uh, you know, the trailer does give away that something is happening in the quote afterlife as it is and so i'm not spoiling anything there but i thought that they handled material really well it it, it goes even reflective back to it's a wonderful life tom mm. where george bailey um gets himself into financial trouble i mean that movie's been around for years so there's spoilers to be had here <laughs> but he's ready to <laughs> he's ready to jump off the bridge ends his life for insurance and clarence the angel jumps in ahead of him and he goes and saves him and then it would be what would um 
you know, life be like without George Bailey. So, and that's a, a very, very popular Christmas movie. And so that theme is very common here with soul. It just brings it to a modern type of view and a, a different cultural view. And, it, and of course a real Pixar spin as well, which makes it into that Disney fantasy type of world as well, which we all love. When you think of the pit, the Pixar spin, maybe you could um, kind of dive into that a little bit more for our listeners. When you say when you're when you say Pixar spin, what do you mean? Well, that's great. I'm, I'm glad you asked that question. It's that you're able to create an alternate type of reality and you know show like different characteristics oh my gosh i wish i could just edit that out was Uh, that me talking (laughs) it almost is well for example if you look at inside out right where it talks about the emotions of the girl that's there and that they're all sitting in a control board and they all have specific controls and you know, nobody wants the, the sad control to be there and mm. take control, but sadness has a purpose. Mm. And so the same is here when uh, the main character learns about what has happened to him, that there's this whole type of inner self reality that's going on that affects us as human beings and Pixar touches onto that and they make it childlike and playful that it, a child can understand. That's the Pixar magic is that, mm-hmm. you know, we're all adults watching it, but there's children is usually the main audience, but they make it and create it on their level and they make it interesting to make this translate and conversational for a child to understand. Mm. And we as an adults, we look at it and go, wow, that's really creative. But when you think about it from a child's point of view, they're telling a story that's different that they understand than we as an adult who have lived will interpret differently. And mm. that, to me, is a Pixar spin. Mm-hmm. There's a bit of a prophetic nature to the story itself and those who have watched it will know what I mean, but given everything our society has been through and what fa- how families have been impacted over this last year, um, it's pretty, I would say, timely. Maybe timely right. is a nice way to put it, uh, without going into too much of the story beat itself. So the story is strong. It definitely captures our interest. Uh, let's dive into some of the. Do you do you want to comment any more on the writers or any comments that you would have on the directors before we move on? No, no, I, I think we're good. I think we can okay. move on into the characters. Yeah. So characters and cast. Jamie Fox. He does an amazing job as a voice actor here for the main character Joe, who is Joe in twenty two. Probably about seventy percent of this film kind of surrounds the, that those two characters. Uh, what right. did you think about the the acting performances, the voice performances by the actors in this one? You know, it's really interesting. I I thought that sometimes you can identify who the characters are, and 
you know, this time I, I really, I didn't know it was Jamie Foxx. Um, I, I, I don't know if it's, he's getting older. I'm getting older. It could be both. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> we can confirm by, <laughs> I didn't, uh, I think that he changed his persona enough that I didn't identify him. And, you know, what's unique, too, is because, uh, is that uh, Joe is a musician and Jamie Foxx won his Oscar Mm -hmm. as Ray Charles, right? Mm -hmm. And he also, um, I think he had another movie, I'm not sure, that he has some other musician type. But this is where Jamie Foxx shines in this musical world. And he is able to really throw himself into, as a voice actor, really bring this character as somebody who's real. And that is the success of voice acting, is that you don't feel that you're watching an animation. And that's what I thought was very well done with the Joe character. I agree. I, I that actually clicked for me in the middle of watching this was the fact that the Oscar that Jamie Foxx won um, was his was his uh, when he was uh, playing a, someone who played the piano, which I thought mm-hmm. was very an interesting part of that pulled us into the story as well is that character's connection to that. How about the um, the comedic beats to this and the the interplay exchange between Twenty Two and Joe? What did you think about that? Yeah, it was great. It's 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 fun because uh, Pixar, any kind of Disney, it's going to be comedic, right? Mm-hmm. And there's going to be comedic elements of it. But I don't think that they were too heavy on it. Like for example, like a Toy Story, mm-hmm. where there's a lot of lightheartedness and comedic uh, sides to it. Uh, it was definitely in the line of his other works of Up and Inside Out where there's silliness that's there, right? It's plain to silliness, mm-hmm. but it is more leaning uh, on the story and the mm-hmm. concept of this really heavy theme, if you think about it, yeah. uh, that they're talking about. And they keep it, I don't want to say cartoonish, because I feel that when we think of cartoons, it's Tom and Jerry and Bugs Bunny, mm-hmm. and it's just silly, goofy, entertaining that's what, fun. That's what we wicked. think of. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we feel that's true that's where where our tv lives have sat us <laughs> yeah, spongebob uh ben Tan or ben Tan, you know some of these other things that have come along decades later um but i digress well no it it but it, it we seem let's put it this way when you live a lifetime and you're you're watching reruns of Bugs Bunny and Tom and Jerry. And it's this, I don't know this. Have you seen the same episodes of Tom and Jerry? Probably like 50 times, right? The Roadrunner. Yeah. And we could just sit there and go, we love this one. And we'll be just as entertained as as we saw it the first time. And and that's that cartoon slapstick. And, and and Pixar has that it's witty. It's going to be a little off the the cuff and quirky, but they don't lean on it. Right. Mm -hmm. Because right. it's it's just a it's kind of the the little flavoring of it, and um, you, you know when you're having a cake and you have whipped cream, it's really not the whipped cream, although it's the, you know it does bring a little sugarness to it, but it's really the cake that you're really into, and and the cake here is the story, and how much the story is really um, 
really special, I think. And what a what a ingenious way to release this on Christmas week, and where most people are at their home. This is a very sentimental time, very reflective time um, for those who have, may have lost loved ones and have reflective memories and these times and holidays, and it all means something different to most everyone. But they, this comes in, like you said, at a very interesting time where we're mostly locked in and indoors. Absolutely. I will say, though, as we're moving along with the characters, I found the characters that were connected to the quote-unquote real world much more visually intriguing and more interesting. And I think they kind of do that to make a point and just the, right. the, con- the stark contrast between um, Joe's real life and the life that he that he is kind of thrown into just to stay cryptic. And right. th- so that was I love the characters that were connected to his neighborhood, um, the people mm-hmm. that he was meeting. It was so interesting. Yeah, and, and that's and that's the part of it, too, is is that. You know, the way that animation works, it's like there's features of, of individuals and then they accentuate certain fee- features. If, if somebody's overweight, they give a uniqueness to their body, if you notice. It's always mm-hmm. they're large on top, but they have extremely skinny legs. And yeah. so. <laughs> or a big that's puff always of fat on the back of their neck. <laughs> So I mean that's part of the animation, and then in the other world, they you know they they're it's gone, it's released, and um, so and then they focus on the silliness of different characters because that I thought was really where the comedy is was as in the other world and and um, how people are doodled in some of the animation and they bring in some very old um, artistic drawing styles which I thought was very ingenious uh, that you haven't seen in like 70 years, some abstract type of Mm. uh, drawings and uh, art students would pick that up right away. So there had, there are interesting elements that were introduced uh, visually to an audience that probably has never seen anything like that. And of course, little comedic factors of, some of these people are strange because strange is always funny too. So, mm-hmm. um, and there's a lot of strangeness here, but uh, I think they balance it well because yeah. if you're, if you're Joe, um, you, you feel for Joe. <laughs> yeah. You can't help but feel for Joe. Right. Yeah. I think that's the part of the Pixar magic as well as they will take a character and the theme is a theme that's general enough so that a large audi- a large group of the audience can relate to what the individual is struggling with. And they can find meaning in either connecting with or they can empathize with and connect that way with what's going on in Joe's life. And I thought that was really good uh, as far as the story is concerned. And then as far as the visuals and the voice acting, I thought it just there wasn't a misstep at all in all of that. I thought that was so well done. Anything else you want to tap into here when we talk about the characters? Any particular character that you really enjoyed and wanted to comment on, or would you like to move on to visuals? Yeah, I think that 
I don't know. Personally, I think we talked about Joe. We didn't really talk about 22 uh, a lot, but Correct. I think they do, they do a great job with her and her dilemma that she's in. There's a lot of comedy in that because they really set that up as um, her being the, the lighthearted piece. But uh, if you think about how, um, you know, there's relatability, there's going to be an audience that really can't relate to Joe. Um, but there's going to be an audience that relates to 22. So you have the adults and then you have the children. And so that's a, it's a very interesting split, uh, into these two worlds. And, and what this movie does is how the two often really, um, run into each other and have much conflict. And they're then able to, you know, as any good movie does, resolve it. But it's um, it's very tender, and is uh, if you recall Up and and Inside Out, which is Inside Out is very complex. I mm-hmm. thought, yeah, and it resembles those that deafness that um, you know they're unabashedly just they just go for it and and believe that the audience they have faith in the audience is going to pick this up, and so um, I think that that's what we see within these characters intertwined with the plot yeah i agree i think it's attuned very well attuned to uh to the everyday person and what they're going through i would say uh an interesting character who's probably been in a lot of animated movies in some version way shape or form but is is still very interesting in this for me was curly uh played Mm -hmm. by quest love like how many times do you have like this flower child spiritualist (laughs) that kind of makes their way into the narrative somehow. And this felt unique and interesting, and it was um, interesting, I think, is what I'll settle in on. Well, I like the, the, the two aspects of that character, and you know what I'm talking about and how they show it. Yeah. And, uh, the, and it's the, it is the free-willing spirit, you know. Um, and what's really funny not to give any spoilers away, but you immediately think of the progressive insurance kid. Oh, yeah. Those are the best commercials, <laughs> by the way. My rating. But it, it's like, it, it's it's so funny. And I just, there's an extra laugh that's there when somebody sees that. that you see that there's kind of a reference there. It just, just happens, right? Where yeah. a movie and an advertisement that is completely unrelated just work together and our brains are just tying them together. But yeah, I agree. The spiritualist, the, uh, the goofiness of it and, um, but also the thoughtfulness and, but it tends to be a lot more lighthearted, which is, which is good because you, you need that lightheartedness. Yeah, it, like it, and I think you hit on this earlier, but just to kind of force the home, the the point home is that it it doesn't become so goofy that it it takes away from the plot itself. It just fits nicely within the story. Yeah. Um, let's think visually here. I thought the beginning of this in kind of the neighborhood scenes is some of the best animation I've ever seen. What do you think? Yeah, the they've really. Well, it, this time is, I just can't remember, I mean, other than the Invincibles, where you have a city, it's more of a city makeup, but it doesn't 
really dive into it. So now you're, you're getting more urban. Mm-hmm. And um, so you're getting that urban feel now, which is great. Mm-hmm. And, you know, kudos to Pixar, who, again, is, you know, tapping, uh, tapping into all aspects of life and society. And I thought uh, I felt like I was in the neighborhood, actually, and having lived downtown Chicago for a while, uh, it, it definitely had that neighborhood uh, feel and urban feel, and, and they did a great job with it. Absolutely. Now, did you have any problem with the stark contrast between the two realities that Joe is kind of moving in and out of? Any problems with it, or did you feel like you kind of understood it, got it, and and it was okay for you? Yeah, it, it's what he would expect. He didn't want to have... It, uh, it, it, it's its own world. It's always going to be its own world. And it's going to be, I mean, let me think, go back to Disney and Fantasia, right? And introducing what, what people in the audience saw for the first time coming out of Disney mind and Fantasia and the, these type of world that, uh, an artist can bring to life. And I think that we're used to Pixar enough that we know we're not going to be um, thrown into an epileptic seizure by uh, the visuals <laughs> <laughs> that's put on the, the screen before us. <laughs> that that can happen. We won't name the sources for said seizures, um, but it has happened before. So I think the visuals, it's safe to say, and anyone who's watched the Pixar film and loves them, they know the visuals are, are really up there. I would say the right. it's like, a year or two ago now, the Miles Morales Sony film. Right. The visuals are so unique in that. This is not unique in that way. This is like Pixar taking it up a couple of clicks past where it normally does with regard to detail and just kind of capturing the the aesthetic and the feel of this urban neighborhood, which I thought was really, really amazing. Anything you want to add to the visuals before we transition over to entertainment value? Well, I like the fact that, yeah, it's, they're keeping up with newer technology within guard, regards to the animation. And, you know, it's still, it's still 3D. So it's not, you're not dealing with a, a true cell animation or stop motion animation, which really is the, the echelon of, of animation. Um, but, you know, not spoiling anything when they're eating a piece of pizza and they go into the details of eating a hot piece of pizza for the first time. It, um, it's very lifelike in animation makes it very lifelike. So, yeah, the technology Pixar, of course, being the, you know, ahead of its, of everything in technology is able to capture that where you feel, even though you're working in animation, you can write to life. And yeah, it's not going to be the Spider-Man Morales where, they do something completely off the wall, but you know, it's not the same story. No, absolutely not. So entertainment value, Bill, what did you think? Where did the entertainment value sit for you and how would you rate the entertainment value of this film? Well, when you look at Pixar films, it's, it's going to have to be about the story and what's the story, what's the topic, what's the lesson they're, they're teaching. And, and like I mentioned before, in um, other Pixar films, uh, onward is just onward. Just 
missed for me completely. And, but somehow when I was watching the previews of Pixar and my wife is kind of the same way when we're kind of where you were at and just really having a lot of doubt. And I was like, nah, this looks like real Pixar here. Okay. Not like the new Pixar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it had like the, you know what I mean? It's like, you see this, you could, if you understand animation studios, it's not just one person making all this. It's, it's all mm. these teams, right? Mm. And when you get Onward Go, that was truly modern, uh, you know, it, but this is, is in its own. And because of it, um, I felt that it, it didn't get lost with like Onward did. Mm-hmm. And it, it had more defining moment and it made it entertaining because it was it captured you in your imagination and again it dealt with a very deep subject here mm-hmm. and you could put yourself in Joe's shoes a lot as an adult and as the kids probably put themselves in in 22 so i thought they did a great job connecting the audience and because of that if it's carrying your interest i believe you're being entertained it's it's not like a you know a, a western you know gunfight where you're, that type of entertainment value where it's everybody's you know countering each other. This is it's intriguing enough to keep your attention uh, and entertain, but also thoughtful in a very lighthearted way, and that mm-hmm. makes it great, really. Yeah, I think well stated. I think I I agree with. With your reflections on it, I think the visuals are so well managed. The story is, it's meaningful. It feels important. And even when there's a bit of a, a hard left hand turn visually, they pull it back to that urban uh, setting enough into that character that you grow to root for and really want to see where the story ends. And I think I totally agree with you when you want to see where the story goes all the way to the end, you're interested throughout. I think that, that they've done a great job if they've done that. And so I think if we're rating this bill, we would both rate this as a thumbs up. Oh, definitely. It's, it's a, it's refreshing actually. Um, again, cause I did see onward at the theater and it was a Pixar movie. And to have this, come in the tales of it because I think Onward was it this year? I want to say Onward was this year and I did see Onward this year. I'm not too sure. But mm-hmm. anyway, to be in um you know, at home, not having to go to the show, uh this was definitely uh worthwhile to see and very exciting. Absolutely. So I think that's going to do it for our review of Soul, which is a Disney property, a Pixar property, and you can find that on Disney+. Plus. Bill, anything you want to plug before we end this episode? No, but uh, there's just a lot of things going on out there in the streaming universe, and it, I would say it's completely overwhelming. <laughs> yeah, there's. I think for the first time in a little while, we're balancing two or three things at the same time. One thing we've been enjoying is His Dark Materials Season 2 over on HBO Max. Yeah, and I think the uh, the season finale, if I'm correct, Tom, is dropping this Sunday, if you're watching it as if um, HBO does have like channel times, this is when it's going to be, but then it'll come out on Monday. 
but it looks like the season finale is coming. And mm-hmm. um, I, I, you know, just a little preview to our audience. It's been very exciting. Uh, season two has been very exciting. I, I enjoyed season one and I thought season two has just been just as exciting. And I'm looking forward to the season finale of that. Absolutely. I've been dabbling with some Asian horror and zombie series and films. Uh, so we might oh, be able surprise. To, I know. Surprise, surprise. You might be able to tap into some of that. So watched episode one of Sweet Home, which I think is a Korean property. I think so. That it's could be safe a- to say, seeing that they have been pretty much owning the genre. Yes, and once you figure out what they're doing with that genre, it's really hard to transition back to a clumsier version of that right. whole thing here in the States. And then uh, I've, I, of course, watched uh, Wonder Woman 1984, The pretty much yes. the hour it was released. I was had my streaming service opened and had started watching it, Mr. Bell. I think uh, that might be our New Year's Eve uh, movie that we watched. So I will suck it up and uh, see that film. All right. And um, I think I got uh, some family buy-in because obviously um, we have to share the TV sometimes. Mm -hmm. So is it safe (laughs) to say that that would be our plug for the topic for our next episode? It's safe to say, Tom. Okay. So if there is a twist, it'll be towards his dark materials but more than likely we will be reviewing wonder woman 1984 next so bill that's going to do it for this episode great tom for now and until next time this has been heroes garage bye now Thank you.